Eternal rest grant unto her, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon her. May she rest in peace. Amen. May her soul and the souls of all the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. When, when the Pollard family settled in Northern Virginia, it was in the mid-late 60s, we were in the outer reaches of the suburbs at that time, which was Annandale, outside the Beltway. If you know the area, the intersection of Arlington Boulevard, Route 50, and Gallows Road back then was a single stoplight in the middle of the woods. But our home wasn't in the middle of woods. It was in the middle of a a brand new subdivision where all the trees had been completely wiped out in order to build the homes. I wasn't alive at the time, but the stories and the pictures make me feel those images as though they're my own memories. So mom planted everything in the front yard and the backyard, every single thing. My brothers probably complained most about the ordeal that lasted past sunset when grass seed had already been put down, but then the whole half acre had to be covered in manure. I'm glad I was born last and after the fact. And so there are, there are parts of that backyard that I've, I've never seen in any other yard or garden. And I don't associate them with gardens, I associate them with my mom. Um, whether it be uh, Nandina or Bleeding Hearts or um, uh, clematis vines and other things that just simply were just completely, completely unique. Um, I, she went to Maryfield Garden Center just like everyone else, but her garden was completely unique. Uh, I'm not the gardener. I'm, I, I aspired one day to be a grass cutter like my older brothers, so I succeeded in that great ambition. Um, I know nothing about roses, but I'm, an admi- in, I'm a great admirer of gardeners. There is a, a poem that I discovered. The author is Dorothy Frances Gurney. Her life began in 1858, I believe. Um, she left this world in the 1930s. Um, interestingly enough, both of her parents were uh, priests in the Church of England. Um, The Lord God planted a garden in the first days of the world, and he set there an angel warden in a garment of light unfurled. So near to the peace of heaven that the hawk might nest with the wren, for there in the cool of the even God walked with the first of men. 
And I dreamed that these garden closes with their shade and their sun-flecked sod, and their lilies and bowers of roses were laid by the hand of God. The kiss of the sun for pardon, the song of the birds for mirth. One is nearer God's heart in a garden than anywhere else on earth. For he broke it for us in a garden under the olive trees, where the angel of strength was the warden, and the soul of the world found ease. The good Lord being the master gardener is no original idea. In fact, it's an image of his choosing. Our Lord in John chapter 15 speaks of God the Father as the gardener who prunes that which bears fruit and prunes it so that it bears even more fruit. The observation has been made by many, um, many Christian souls that the story of salvation begins with the union of Adam and Eve in marriage. And marriage is the overarching theme of God's relationship with his people. His relationship with us is described as a marriage, some, sometimes a happy one, sometimes not. But it culminates in heaven being the great wedding feast. And so it is not image from which we graduate. And I will admit that um, never before have I seen the garden also as being bookends. Obviously, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, which present us accounts of um, why God created and that God created everything out of nothing. In his image and likeness, he made us, male and female, And he put Adam and Eve in charge over what he created. And because of sin, that stewardship becomes burdensome and um, onerous. Gardens play a significant uh, part of the story of salvation. Um, Israel being described as the vineyard from which no good wine comes is a prominent feature of the Old Testament. And our Lord uh, prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. They knew to find him there. But when we think of how our Lord promises that he is going to prepare a place for us, granted he does describe the, the Lord's house having many rooms, Um, but I don't think our Lord was describing a particular architectural style. And if I am safe in assuming that heaven will always have temperate weather, and in heaven there's no reason to fear embarrassment or a need to be separated from each other, uh, we might consider... Um, heaven a little differently than we uh, may have. It may be more of a garden than uh, a split-level suburban home.
There is that account of a soul that went to heaven and was being uh, brought around to the different parts of heaven, sort of a you know introductory tour. I'm sure you've heard this described even better than how I will attempt it. And um, and the and the, the you know the newcomer was shown the different parts, and there there was one part where there's all sorts of great music and and clapping and shouting and and. Uh, that you know, that's that's the Baptist part of heaven, and then they continued on further. And there are speaking, there was uh, languages and tongues and all sorts of amazing things. And there's you know, evangelical heaven. And then before they get walk past the next room, he said, "Be very quiet. We'll we won't say anything. I won't describe it as we walk past." And there was, they walked past this other area. And the, and the newcomer said, what was that? He said, oh, that's the Catholic part. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> I also know that uh, families don't always worship together. Both my parents are converts. So I grew up knowing, knowing that we were <clears throat> quite strange. And when two sons out of four became priests, our relatives probably thought that mom and dad had put something in the water to make that happen. Um, couldn't imagine that being a work of the Holy Spirit. So it is good to all be together. Um, uh, I, most of the funerals I've been to in my family haven't been Catholic funerals, so <clears throat> there is something that feels a little out of the ordinary when you're not in your own usual place. Something good about that, too, because it means we're here you're here uh, out of love. And that's the most important fact of the moment. <clears throat> it's love, it's the love of God that radiates through us that St. John describes. We don't, we don't love our, of our own um, um, goodness. Uh, God is the source of all goodness. Um, as I'll explain to Young students and old students, I couldn't quite tell uh, Ian, our good organist, for instance, to go out into the parking lot and love for five minutes and then come back. That would, that's nonsense. Um, love is properly uh, the, the, the bond between two. Um, and outside of English, Russian, and Farsi, I don't know languages where you are allowed to say incorrect grammar that you love something. Um, Love, ideally, is a love between persons. But beyond that, we can, we can see what happens um, in our friends who need extra prayers, what happens when someone doesn't experience love or doesn't think they experience love. Love is, love is nothing we can give beyond what we've ever experienced or received. And, and so the love of God does permeate all of creation. We, we receive, we, we benefit from the love of God even before we realize it. When we see the beauty of a garden, when we see the, the glory of the, the stars at night, we, we are surrounded by, by what we know is good and beautiful and lovely, even before we have you know, thoughts that lead us uh, directly to God because of it. And at the same time, love is something also of our choosing. So consider how Jeremy read from Romans something that 
is very consoling, um, but can make us overconfident, I'll say. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor present things, nor future things, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The, but, but we can let them. We can let them separate us from the love of God. We can let them separate us from each other. Um, in fact, that's what happens most of the time. Um, my dad had, has been uh, gone already for several decades. Uh, Mom just left us three years ago. And keeping a, um, keeping a family together is hard, really hard work. Uh, I say that as an observer, not as one who's taking any credit for any of this. And um, although all of this is being recorded, I don't expect my brothers ever to hear this. Um, but they are on, on notice that occasionally I preach about them. Um, as the baby of the family, um, sometimes we're, um, the baby is ideally placed to be uh, in everyone's good graces, not all the time. Um, but it's sometimes the baby of the family that, that seems to suffer most when not everyone is getting along. Um, and, and to see a family, uh, to see my family make great effort to try to love each other and to try to be with each other um, is no, no small task. At, at, and that's not just a decision to try to be nice, um, but it, it really is an act of courage and it's, and it's an act of uh, great sacrifice. We have to be willing to, to sacrifice and hurt in order to in order to continue to love each other. And so those bonds, whether it be within a family or whether it be the body of Christ as the church, it's the same. Um, it involves the same. Um, death doesn't have to separate us from the love of God, but it can. Uh, joy of life certainly doesn't need to separate us from the love of God, but it, it sure can. Uh, angels, principalities, present things, future things, the things we want, the things we fear. Um, so with that, then let's listen again to the words of Christ in the gospel. This is John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Our Lord knows that our hearts can be troubled. He, he has a perfect human heart incapable of sin, but he, he knows how even perfect love involves sorrow. Perfect love involves great suffering. And... In his, in his bones, he knows that we can be um, even, we, won't, we don't suffer as much as he does because no one loves as much as he does. So, so if we can enter into the divine mind of our Lord, his suffering is, is beyond anything any of us can bear. 
He does. He can because he's God. And he knows that our weaker hearts that don't love as much can be even more troubled. We don't suffer more, but we, but we, but we suffer harm and damage that he can't, that he doesn't. So the compassion of our Lord in saying this is, is remarkable. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He knows pain. He knows sorrow. He knows suffering. He knows abandonment. He knows rejection. He knows betrayal. He knows all of that. He also knows the perfect love of God the Father, which he wants us to have. And so he sends us the Holy Spirit. I know for many years, all my mom wanted for Christmas was for all of us just to get along. Um, sometimes she would say, just, um, just be nice. She also liked something good to eat. Um, she would, and her German accent, my mom's German, so. Uh, uh, asking us to be nice to each other. Um, and to get her something good to eat. That was, um, uh, that's all she would ever want. That's what moms want. So uh, your mom, your mother-in-law, your grandmother, your friend's mom, um, your neighbor, she wants you to get together at Pulcinella after this is all said and done. There's a reception, everyone's invited. I suspect that means downstairs, but I don't know. I can tell you that it's on Old Dominion Drive, so when you, uh, when you escape the um, uh, insane traffic pattern of this parking lot and you get down to the stoplight, don't turn a hard right onto Linway, but you take that far right turn on Old Dominion and you go past three stoplights and then it's on your right between Wells Fargo Bank and and Moby Dick kebabs. Um, it looks like there's not enough parking, but you have to go past. So turn into Pulcinella and go uh, down to the back parking lot. There's plenty of spaces. Um, she wants you to love each other. She wants, she wants everyone to get along. Um, and I'm pretty sure, like my mom, she wants all of us to get to heaven. Um, so cling to each other and cling to Jesus. Um, not everyone's coming up for communion. Don't worry about that. Um, just pray, pray to be, don't worry about it for now. Um, keep my card handy. Um, but uh, love each other and be grateful for any good thing that you get out of this. And um, it could be memories, it could be future hopes. Um, any good reminder of Jesus and the love of God and the mercy of God, um, cling to that. Remind, we have to remind ourselves of that so often because it's so easy to forget. It's easy to, um, to be caught up in present things and future things and forget the eternal things, God, um, what he did when he made our souls um, and what he has in store. Um, for all of us who live and die in him. So we'll continue to pray um, for Edith Kreiser Probus and everyone in her heart. Uh, at some point in time, we'll hope already, 
she's in heaven. Um, it still uh, prompts me to pray for her. Praying for her if she's in heaven um, will mean praying for what she's praying for. Right? We know the angels and the saints in heaven pray. Um, what is she praying for? For whom is she praying? We can add to her prayers um, our, our deeds of mercy, our, our, our sacrifices, our, the good movements of our heart. We can continually pray for her because she always loves you and always will. Eternal rest grant unto her, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon her. May she rest in peace. Amen. May her soul and the souls of all the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.